One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/spoken today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello. Welcome to The Tennis Podcast on day four of the Wimbledon Championships. My name is David Law. I'm joined by Catherine Whittaker here on The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Andy Murray has just been called into his press conference. The reason for that is because he's won today in double quick time over Yen Sun Lu. Very satisfactory day's work for him. Catherine Whittaker, we've had guests galore over the space of the, the last three or four days, haven't we? We've had Jonathan over in from Five Live. We had Philip Studd yesterday. If I could give you anybody as a guest, who would you have? Well, let's be honest, David. As you were introducing me, I was thinking I am a mere footnote in this, in this tennis podcast because we've got somebody that, well, yeah, that we've perhaps been wanting to have as a guest since the first episode, 220 episode or 220-something episodes ago. Who is it? It's Claire Balding. Hello, Claire Balding. I've listened to all of them, can I just say? I was even, this is quite sad, I was even this morning listening back to the stuff you did at the French Open um, because I was thinking, I just want to go back and hear, the, I knew there was something about Serena Williams and the prediction you'd made about Serena and Venus and they retire, you know, having won Olympic gold in the doubles. Do you remember you said all that? And I think you're right. And they go, obviously then Serena matches the record, goes past Steffi's record, then she retires, but Venus announces her retirement straight after the Olympics. See, I love it. And also, I really liked the one you did at Queen's, um, and you had Gigi Salmon with you. I liked the outtake at the end, when you said, um, you're not quite as smug as David Law, and then there's a little outtake going, did that sound right? I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I was, did that sound right? I didn't mean like... I, so, yes. Yeah, I, I, we haven't got into that. What was that about, being yeah. smug? I'm sorry. What, what, I, what I meant was, you're nowhere near as smug as David Law. Yeah, um, it was... Do you understand what you're saying right It was right something here? about a Lendl-related prediction. I don't remember the details, yeah. Not uh, don't, I mean, I go into the archives on a regular basis, Claire, <laughs> just to see if I can get one over on Catherine, basically. Well, but, I, I like it because I walk, I walk my dog in the mornings because I live in London, so it's, it's great. And it's, I, I, I get more time at home in the mornings than I would do for most jobs. So I walk in the morning and I listen to the tennis podcast and it just makes me happy. Claire, you can come on every day if you like, the way things are going. Uh, now, look, we are going to get into the results because the, there have been so many today. We're going to do that a bit later, though, right? Because we've got Claire Balding with us and we've got lots to talk to her about. Just to say, as we record at the moment, Johanna Contra has just levelled up at one set all with Eugenie Bouchard. It has been that kind of day today. Because of all the rain, there have been a bazillion matches to get through today. There have been seeds scattering left and right. It's been just one of those great days at Wimbledon. And Claire, you have to keep across it all, don't you? Because, I mean, what, in about half an hour's time, you're going to be recording today at Wimbledon? 41 extra matches today. 
So, I, and the trouble with when you try and do tennis highlights, think about it. If you're doing football, it's really easy because you just do a goals montage. This is what happened. If you're doing racing, you show the end of the race. But a tennis match, a the best game isn't always the winning game, and b the winning game, as it were, the last game isn't always the point at which the match turned. How do you tell that story? Let's take Heather Watson's match. Just her third set, which was a hundred and four minutes or something. Her third set. How do you do that set in five minutes? How do you do it? I mean, it's just, it's really difficult. And that's for the VT editors to decide and what goes in. Right now, they are busy editing in loads of different trucks the best of today's tennis. And we will miss something. Of course we will, because you can't do everything in an hour. Um, but I think also with great pundits, and last night we had John McEnroe and Lindsay Davenport, and Marcus Willis came into the show and sat in there and was live on our show, which was great. So you've got an element of the unexpected, and I think that's important in any highlight show. You can't just sit there and say, right, now let's look at the three matches on centre court and the three on number one court and show you a couple of the outside courts. That's not good enough. You've got to bring something new to the party. And I suppose that's what was attempted yeah. last year, but now that it's gone back to the old title and the old sort of setting, but with, a, with an element of the live as well, with, as you said, a Marcus Willis turning up and the range of pundits, I suppose now the idea is that you've got the, the perfect compromise, the sort of the, the, the balance between the two. I hope so. I hope that's the idea. And, you, you know, you learn a lot from trying different things. And I would never want to turn into somebody that doesn't try to to do something new i mean i'm a tennis fan i want to talk about tennis i would love to do a a show that that lasted you know for four hours not one hour that's the difficulty it's cramming it all you need to come back to radio claire we we, we do that all day as you well know you enjoyed marcus willis as much as the rest of us didn't you i think we needed it yesterday didn't we i mean that was a great story and it's a sort of feel-good story and i think it reminds you that sport is fun and that's what I tried to say at the end of the programme yesterday, just that, that you can play it like that with a smile. It reminded me of matches from the 80s as well. I'm sure we used to see that kind of thing more often. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. And actually, I think we were talking about on the show yesterday mm. how the, the reaction of Marcus Willis's family and girlfriend was, this is great, isn't it? You know, I mean, yeah, well, what is this about cutting yourself off because you might have a famous tennis player in the family? We'll talk to anybody who likes to talk. That, and I think he was a bit thrown because, of course, then John McEnroe and Lindsay Davenport are sitting there and McEnroe goes to him, so what was your game plan and did you think you could win? And Marcus is going, oh. And he has to say, yes, I thought I was going to win, but I don't know. That, no, I don't know I don't whether know he did. But believe that. <laughs> he had a go, though, didn't he? Um, but anyway, he's, apparently he's off to, uh, to, to Warwick Boat Club again today to play in the, in, against Coventry in the, in the league up there, which, which, which he said on your show last night this was a warm-up for. He did. He said he and Gavin are undefeated. It's very important. It's very important, their match. We're trying to bring you an update tomorrow on whether they are still undefeated. Claire, you've been part of, of the coverage here at the BBC for the best part of, can I say it, a couple of decades, really, haven't you? Because you were on our BBC Five Live team before I started. And, uh, and you were presenting the coverage, I think, the first year that, that I uh, came on the team in 2002. How different is it doing the radio work to doing the TV work here? 1995 was the first year I did for radio. And Tim Hemmen got defaulted, do you remember? Oh, that my was, goodness. Wasn't that 95? I think that was 95. That's right, yeah. yeah. And um, I was the last one left here that night. Um, 
I'm not really sure I did that story very well. I don't think I realised what a big deal it was. I'm not sure I even... I think they made the decision quite late. Anyway, not a great start. Uh, but yeah, I reported on it, I commentated, um, I presented, did, did kind of everything for, for 19 out of 20 years. I only missed one year in 20. And then switched to telly last year. You said 1995, your first year here for yeah. BBC Radio. I mean, that's... You know, you've seen a lot of Wimbledons there. What, what stands out? Give me a couple of highlights of things that you've... That, that will stay with you. You know, I mean, you've got a lot of different sports that you've covered over the years and, 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 and huge sporting moments in your career. What, what, which Wimbledon ones stand out? I, I think for, for me personally, I will always, always remember incredibly fondly the, the tightness of the team and the humour of the team that worked for Five Live. You know, we're down in a little bunker down at the bottom here. It's very unglamorous. And I'm six foot seven. I mean, there's not really much room for people no, like me around. The old, the old um, presentation box that we used to have was really cramped and quite... You and Simon Mayer. Yeah, and Simon Mayer had a really bad back problem, so he was always having to stretch out on the floor, and he'd laugh at me because I'd bring in my little Tupperware boxes with my homemade salads, because it's terribly expensive in the canteen, funnily <laughs> enough. It still is. Um, but obviously, that's not in ter- that's not to do with the play the reign of Federer obviously and the, the not just watching him and his brilliance and you're both big, well you particularly David you're a bit in love with Federer um, and I think just watching him perform that's just gorgeous but the the match with Nadal the one that went long 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 into the night and I remember at one stage coming out of the presentation box onto court because I had a little monitor in there which was making it seem much brighter because obviously they do all sorts of things with the cameras to pick up you know give you maximum light and I just wanted to go and stand out there to see what you could actually see with the naked eye and essentially you could just you could see the ball and you could see the players whites and you could see their teeth and that was it I mean it was so dark I just don't know how either of them were able to really know what they were doing it added to it though didn't it oh it was amazing and that that atmosphere and also the other one obviously would be Goran the, the Monday final. I mean, the whole that whole drama of that that Wimbledon was was extraordinary, and I was quite a big Pat Rafter fan actually. So I remember that. I was going to say the two players I always remember you lighting up at the thought of interviewing were Pat Rafter and Kim Clijsters. Yeah, I re- you know both just great characters. And I had haven't had Kim Clijsters on my show yet, but I have had Pat Rafter, and he came on with Mark Webber and their big friends. And I asked him about why he was called Skunk. And I thought it was because of the little white bit in his hair. It's not. It's No, it's not. And it's quite rude. And it's to do with, you know... Family passing, show, tennis yeah, podcast. Passing wind and things. Anyway, he goes, oh, Claire, do you really want to bring that up? Oh, Claire. <laughs> he was so lovely. I was like, Pat Rafter's on the sofa. Oh, great. And I've had Joe Contracci on this year. Um, we've had a few tennis players. It's hard to get them when they're on tour because they're away so much. My, my ambition still, Judy Murray's been on a few times, but my ambition is to get Andy and Jamie together. I think that would be really nice. That would be cool, um, So, yeah. Just you, you mentioned Goran, 2001. I think the first time I ever met you was when you came to a, a London hotel to interview Goran yes. before he'd won Wimbledon. It would have been 1998, something like that. And you were doing some sort of breakfast I, interview I, with yeah, him. Yeah, Gary Richardson does a show on Five Live on Sunday mornings, and I, for a long time, did this little section of it called breakfast with balding or something so i would go and have breakfast with people so i'd go to their homes or i'd go and find them in a hotel and we've got loads of good names because if you can go to them it's so much easier and you just say look we're going to do two five minute sections it's nothing it's nothing on a sunday morning oh great and as long as they're awake which sometimes they weren't alan lamb actually definitely wasn't awake when i knocked on his door he answered it in his dressing gown and mike atherton wasn't awake either he'd forgotten 
Um, yeah, but anyway, Goran luckily was because you told him I was coming, so that was good. And yes, I do remember it was in the middle of Wimbledon Park over here, wasn't it? That very nice hotel, the beginning with C. I can't remember what's called now. But yeah, yeah. No, it's a nice hotel. I'm getting on a bit these yeah, days. And that was, he was great, Goran was. He was he's just great, a wonderful voice, as you know, and you've had him on this last week. You had him on, didn't you, in a rain rain break at Queen's, I think, talking yeah, about right. the rain and how he loves the rain. I still never told him that I was supporting Petra after either. He still doesn't know. He obviously doesn't listen to the tennis podcast, <laughs> so he serves him right. Goran! <laughs> no, he's not there really. Uh, Claire, we've got to let you go and record your highlight show, which is going to include... An incredible number of matches today, isn't it? I mean, the seeds have been tumbling left and right, uh, really including Garbinia Muguruza I'm today. I'm really shocked about that because I was thinking, OK, they're going to ask me for a prediction. I know they are, so I'll go for Muguruza in the, in the women's. <laughs> and then, obviously, I'm now frantically looking at the bottom half of the women's draw going, well, who's coming through? Do you, do you like that as a broadcaster? Do you like to see... The, the big names come through because obviously you've got that rivalry you can build up or do you, or do you like the sort of the little fairy tales that come through and people making their career? I think as long as they're prepared to help you tell their story it, it, it doesn't matter if it's someone you've never heard of you've just got to make people care and to make them care you've got to tell them something and the thing is with, with Federer and with Djokovic and with Murray you don't have to tell that story anymore because everybody does care they're already there and Serena with the others you've got to do a bit more work and I like that I love no, that no one had heard of Marcus Willis a week ago had they but we all know his story now Will Bond yeah we love, we love Marcus Willis here on the Tennis Podcast and uh, so come on then Claire let's have your, your men's semi-finals predictions first of all because we've got obviously today we saw Andy Murray in a potentially tricky match against a guy who was on an 11 match unbeaten run on grass and yet Andy Murray dealt with him straightforwardly and could be Nick Kyrgios in round I four I know well that's going to be the big test isn't it I think Kyrgios will implode though so I'm it'll be great to watch sorry Nick yeah sorry Nick I love watching you but you know uh, Murray comes through that section obviously I hope um, and you guys I mean as you've all been saying all four grandstands could be a Murray Djokovic final but in terms of different I, I'm waiting to, I'm just interested to see how fit and strong Federer is when he properly gets challenged He's got Dan Evans next. Which yeah, that'll be interesting, won't yeah. it? Another, another sort of, as Catherine said, another rogue Brit. Yeah. Dimitrov won today. Love Dimitrov. Um, he could come... Oh, yeah, we'll be talking about him in a minute, Catherine. He's on the way back, I'm telling you. Well, yes. Um, I think Vavrinka's really vulnerable against Del Potro. And I might even take Del Potro to come through that quarter. Oh, what a story that'd be. Yeah, exactly. So Murray then against Del Potro in the bottom semi if possible uh, and Djokovic against Dimitrov mm. Karlovic was beaten today wasn't he he'd have been wasn't he I think he'd have been tricky for somebody but um, I don't yes go on then so Murray Del Potro yeah. and top half of the draw you've He's got that Federer Djokovic thing going on yeah, about. is that no. going to happen no um, Djokovic Dimitrov whoa so have you got You've got Federer falling to Dimitrov then? Yeah. Big or, news. Or, or to Dan Evans. Why, why are you ignoring <laughs> that, Catherine? Hmm? Absolutely hey. right. Solly Hall's Dan Evans. Yeah. As I, I'm pretty sure I was the first one who tweeted the news, just to remind everybody that he is from my hometown. Uh, but anyway, uh, Catherine Whitaker, this is good, isn't it? I mean, Claire Balding on the show, isn't it? 
It is. Why are you wasting time speaking to me? Well, she's got to go now. She's got to go because she's just having a look through the window. There's this window open next to the breast room where we're keeping an eye on the TV screen because there's so many matches going on at the same time. Dominic Team's in a bit of trouble. Two sets to love down against Yuri Vesely. Remember, he's the bloke who beat Novak Djokovic in Monte Carlo. What happened with Agnieszka Radvanska? She was, she was deep into a third set. Oh, she's won. She's won 9-7 in the third set we're seeing on the big screen there. Yeah, she came back, I think, from 5-1 down, was she in that third set? I think so, which is fabulous. Um, I'm hoping for the big fight back from Conta, and not purely selfishly for the reason that I've written a massive article about how brilliant she is, and that only came out today, and we'll look out of date. But not only because of that, because obviously I'd love to see Conta go. Yeah, it'd be a nice story, yeah, wouldn't it? it would. She's three love down. Yeah, I know, but... Bouchard, second round, what a draw that is. I mean, rough. A shocker, isn't it? It's really harsh. Claire, it's been lovely having right, you on a tennis go. podcast. Thanks ever so much. I think you better go and record the thing that you're actually supposed to be here for. You know, we've just grabbed you out of your studio, but it's been a joy. Thanks ever so much. Might I do one more thing? Sure. I'm Claire Balding, and this is the tennis podcast. Right, we're having that. Clip that, everybody. Claire's off, and uh, Catherine and I will carry on. And uh, where are we? We're three love for Eugenie Bouchard against uh, Johanna Conter. The day today, Catherine, has been. I mean, I've needed like 15 pairs of eyes, and I've only got the eight. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, David. Yeah, insects like uh, David Law. It has been extraordinary. Uh, it, it's been absolutely extraordinary. It's still being extraordinary. I still think that Joe Conte could have something left in her here. I've got an eye on Dominic Team because that is worrying me. That's really, really worrying me. Why is now. that worrying you? Because, I mean... Uh, d- Honestly, I do have a bit of a soft spot for Yuji Vesely. I feel like he's, you know, this guy that's been totally left behind in the conversation about the next generation of players. And I do think... Fairly? He's... Oh, I mean, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't delivered much in the last few years, but he's got a big game. He could do something on grass. So it is a tough draw, but... but Brent every, Gilbert was saying... Sorry, Brad Gilbert was saying that he, you know, he was, he was saying, watching this match earlier, and he was saying, God, this guy, Vesely, can play... How- Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. How come he's only 12 and 14 for the year? 
I don't, Weird, isn't it? I don't have an answer to that because my two main experiences of watching him this year have been beating Novak Djokovic in Monte Carlo and been watching uh, extracts of this match against Dominic Team. In both matches, he has been fantastic. He's got an enormous game. He might not move brilliantly, but he is, I think, six foot seven, something like that. I mean, that all the best people are six foot seven. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's not got a complete game. There are weaknesses in it. He's not a future number one, I would say. But I think. He deserves to be, you know, in that conversation, and I think he probably um, will raise his ranking to, you know, top thirty, top twenty, something like that. But I mean, suddenly somebody's su- suddenly everyone's taking notice of Dominic Team. You know, he's made that run at the French, and suddenly everyone's sitting up and going, "Oh, Dominic Team, he's great!" And now he's going to go out in the second round, and that's just a shame, isn't it? It's not over yet, though. Three games all in the third set as we talk to you. It's uh, now four love for Eugenie Bouchard over Johanna Conta. Such a rough draw, isn't it? And, and Bouchard is tough, mentally tough. She just keeps on coming. Garbinia Muguruza, we talked about it with Claire. It was it was a seismic shock, and we were in the Five Live commentary box doing the Andy Murray match when that news came through. Um, Later, we understand that she hasn't been feeling that well physically. Um, very interesting to hear in the, the Five Live commentary, Mary Pierce was on our team, a player who's won the French Open and then come to Wimbledon. And she was saying that it is actually really difficult to do it and to, and to, to have that turnaround, to have that come down, to do all the stuff off the court. And I realise I'm making excuses for her here, but I, I can see where Mary Pierce would be coming from. She went through that. Obviously, maybe grass wasn't her best service. She reached a couple of quarterfinals. But perhaps perhaps we do expect a little too much sometimes from players like Muguruza. Well, look, I'm, I'm no one to be disagreeing with Mary Pierce. She's been through that experience, and I haven't. Um, there is an extra week now than, than there was uh, when, when Mary Pierce was making that turnaround. And, and for me, I, I think that extra week is, is pretty significant. Um, I watched that Muguruza press conference pretty much in full, and I watched it with Mark Philippoussis up at the Live at Wimbledon studio, and we were pretty open, open-mouthed that I think you know you called it a seismic shock. Well, it was a seismic shock for everybody here at Wimbledon, apart from Garbinia Muguruza. She seemed to be pretty much almost expecting it. Um, and she didn't seem that disappointed. I don't know whether it was her sort of... Well, if she's not feeling the best, though, physically, maybe that's why. But, but she didn't describe it as an illness. She described it as a sort of fatigue and a flatness, which, which, is, which is a different thing for me. And it, as Mark Philippoussis put it, if you can't get your energy up for Wimbledon in court one, then, you know, what can you get your energy up for? Yes, you won the French Open, but he said, you know, she's not a... She's not in the, a flash in the pan grand, grand Slam champion. She's somebody that's expected to be at or near the top of the game for the next, you know, five to ten years. And you can't afford a lapse like that. You know, he said that her comments were those of of a sort of 18-year-old that's had a really great run and then just can't quite cope with it and doesn't know what to do with it afterwards. That's not the case for her anymore. And it's just slightly disappointing to see. I'm sure... I'm sure she will go on to win other Grand Slams in the future, but just to see somebody at Wimbledon, where she, she knows what it's like to do well at Wimbledon, I mean, and to see her look not particularly bothered and not particularly surprised at going out in the second round. I wonder whether that's a bit of defence mechanism to deal with it, you know, because she is 
one of the most engaging personalities to, to, to listen to. She certainly was a year ago, anyway, when she, she reached the Wimbledon final. I mean, she, her face lights up in these interview situations. I think maybe she's, she's become a little more in control of those situations. And, and you've talked about it on the show in previous weeks, how she's thoroughly professional, but she doesn't necessarily say an awful lot anymore. But I, I just wonder when... And I've, I, I think back to, to some of the fallout she's had with Sam Sumick on court during the the on court in coaching that they can have on the WTA circuit and when things haven't been going very well she hasn't looked happy and she's made it very clear she's not happy and I just wonder whether that is a sort of detachment mechanism to deal with disappointment quite possibly it's the perspex glass that Simon Briggs described in our preview podcast and I think that was a very good way of putting it you sort of are seeing her and you feel like you're seeing her but there is something in between and you can't quite put your finger on what it is and it, it's Sharapova-like. Um, you know, a lot of her mannerisms in that press conference were very Sharapova-like, I thought. Um, and, and and yes, I suppose that is very possibly an explanation for her demeanour and, and her comments afterwards. But, you know, just reading them on paper, they don't sound great. It is now for love in the third set to Eugenie Bouchard and 40-15, and she is redlining out on centre court at the moment. And it doesn't appear that there's an awful lot that Johanna Conter of Great Britain can do. 4-3 Vesely, meanwhile. Earlier on today, I talked about Andy Murray. He, he just looks like he's got the bit between his teeth. He looks perfectly in control of his surroundings and, and, and believes that anybody is beatable, I'd, I'd suggest, just at the moment. It's ruthless, isn't it? And ruthless is the word that I kept on using uh, after the, the surprise appointment, reappointment of Ivan Lendl. Huge surprise, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, he does look ruthless. He, he looks exactly what he didn't in the opening couple of rounds at the French Open, and he still went on to reach the final there. These are very, very interesting. guy that thinks he's going to win this title. Whether he does or not is, you know... Largely down to Novak Djokovic, probably, but I think he looks like he thinks he's, he's here to win it. Uh, we had a chat on Five Live with uh, Milos Raonic uh, straight after his, uh, his victory earlier today. Straight set. I don't think he's playing his very best stuff, but he's playing well enough. And this is something he does, isn't it? He just efficiently goes through tennis draws. I think we're going to get that match, you know, him and Djokovic. I think it will happen in the quarterfinals. I, I mean, he, he does appear, and I think we saw signs of it during Queen's, He's lightening up all the time. We had him uh, this this chat where we've got obviously him from Canada, and just as he was joining us, we were talking to Mary Pierce, who was born in Canada, and we were talking about Mary Pierce's four passports that she has: born in Canada, French uh, mother, American father, and living in Mauritius. And he was he was just fascinated by this whole story and engaging with us and. I, I like to see it. I like the way he's lightening up. I think it's probably going to end up being good for his game too. He's interested in things, isn't he? And people that are interested in things generally tend to be interesting themselves. And uh, I've long been told he's a really interesting, engaging guy, a funny guy. He's just struggled to show it on the court. And, you know, why Why should he? He's not a performing monkey. He's, he's under no obligation to wear his personality on his sleeve. And yet it is still very nice to see. It, it, enage, it enables an audience to, preci- to appreciate him, I think, in a way that he deserves to be appreciated. And I talked about it a lot during our podcast at the Aegon Championships. I warmed to him immensely. I always believed everybody telling me he was this really warm, interesting guy. I just hadn't experienced it myself. But I, 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 I felt like I could see it coming out by the day at Queen's, and it seems to be continuing here. And it's just great because he does seem to be, you know, one of the good guys. See, so it's a tall thing, basically. I mean, 
I, I, I'm much more interesting than I appear on this show, believe me, in my spare time. Uh, Eugenie Bouchard now 5 love up, 15 love on Conta serve. Can she mount a miraculous comeback? Seems unlikely just at the moment. Catherine, Catherine, we need to talk about Grigor Dimitrov. He's, he's won today against uh, Gilles Simon. Uh, I mean, he was two sets to love up. Simon, who's that energizer bunny that just keeps on coming back at you, started to mount the fight back. We were in the, the broadcast center cafe, weren't we? Just sort of keeping a, a little bit of an eye on it. Now, I, I know we're not supposed to be biased, but we are a little bit here on the tennis podcast because we've always liked Grigor Dimitrov, haven't we? And frankly, he's been playing like a drain for the last year. Uh, but the guy managed to hold it together, didn't he? And he's won a really good match there against Simon. But he's got a very tough one next against Steve Johnson of the United States, who is in some real form. Today, I think, is a huge day for Grigor Dimitrov. When uh, we were watching in the broadcast cafe and it was all going swimmingly, we were glorying in the, you know, the Dimitrov that we knew and loved coming back, you know, that glorious backhand drop shot after that monster rally uh, to clinch the break of serve, I think, in the second set. It was all going brilliantly. And then by the time I got back up to the studio and checked the score, he'd sort of lost that third set. And then he was a breakdown in the fourth, and my heart was in my mouth. I'm a big Gilles Seymour fan as well, but as you say, we're allowed to be a little bit biased uh, when it comes to Grigor Dimitrov. And uh, I suddenly saw... You know, all the, all the flashbacks of those matches which had followed pretty much exactly that pattern. In particular, his first round match against Troitschke in the first round of the French Open. Very similar situation. He ended up losing after being two sets to one and a break-up. And, uh, you know, I, it still lives with me seeing his eyes water in that press conference. It was really hard to cope with. But for him to come through that is huge. I think because it becomes a mental thing doesn't it every time he's in that situation again he's experiencing the the horror and the flashback of the last time he was in that situation and it all went horribly wrong you know and this goes back to the Istanbul final a few weeks ago which we won't talk about because you know these are, these are greener pastures for Grigor Dimitrov but you know actually looking at the centre court right now and seeing the way well actually both players Johanna Konta the years of t- turmoil and and difficulties she had in in tight matches and and, and throwing away winning positions and even her opponents who went through that awful 12 months last year where she just struggled mentally both of those two players have come through that it can it can be surmountable it can be I mean (laughs) yeah trying to talk myself into it yeah I mean Let's not fall into our same old trap. I've fallen in. I'm in. Can you help me out? And let's also remember that we both predicted that Roger Federer will make that semi-final, which means that Grigor Dimitrov will, at the very least, go out to him. He doesn't have to win the thing. He just needs to, you know, start getting himself together, and he's done that now, you see? Yeah, he's done that. I mean, okay. to be fair, I'll, I'll stop being facetious. I do agree. I think, as I've said, I think this is really big, really significant. If he can just you know, tap into whatever it was that he found today and find a way to to bring it back. I mean, the tennis world would just, you know, the tennis world just wants to give you a hug, Grigor. (laughs) Yes, the tennis world does. Uh, But but we are speaking on behalf of the tennis world, the entire tennis world, just two people here on the tennis podcast. We've had Claire Balding on, it's gone to our heads. Yeah, we can do what we like now. Um, Look, I think we better wrap this up. We were going to try to sort of stick around until Eugenie Bouchard and Johanna Conta finished. It's five games to one for Bouchard. Conta's mounting a bit of a fight back at 15 all. Just before we do, Catherine, anything else you want to add from the people that you've had in the live at Wimbledon studio, from the things that you've seen here on day four, which has been just rich 
everywhere we've looked with matches and, and upsets. I mean, there is, there's going to be some stories here over the next 10 days, aren't there? Because there's a lot of gaps in the draws developing now. Yeah, I mean, we've barely even mentioned all the uh, the seeds that have tumbled out in the women's side today. Karolina Pliskova has gone out. I mean, what a fantastic lead-up she has. How how disappointed she... Well, I hope she is, because, I mean, really, if she's not making the impact on grass, then where is she going to be making the impact? Because that's precisely where her game belongs. So very disappointing from her. Belinda Bencic having to, to retire with that wrist injury. That's gutting to see. I'm such a Belinda Bencic fan. I think she's fantastic for women's tennis with her style of play and sort of everything about her I think is good news. And, uh, yeah, that was really disappointing today. Yeah, it was disappointing. Uh, I tell you what, two points away from the end now for Eugenie Bouchard. And uh, meanwhile, Yuri Vesely is just a game away from beating Dominic Team. It is all happening here at Wimbledon. Also, there's an unbelievable doubles match going on at the moment between Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez and Jonathan Ehrlich and Colin Fleming. So Fleming against Murray. And it's uh, one set all there. 4-3 Murray Suarez as we talk. They've got break point and they've actually had to reduce the, the first round of the men's doubles to the best of three sets over the course of this week. Yeah, they made that decision very early, very um, decisive, bold action. I think it's been proven to be the right action, but it also is perhaps proving uh, to to lead to some slightly bizarre results in the first round of the doubles. We've seen Rajon Takao go out today to the, well, I've refer- <laughs> heard him referred to on Twitter a few times as the the forgotten man, Johnny Murray, of course, he won the uh, the uh, dub- men's doubles title here with Freddie Nielsen a few years ago. So they've tumbled out. And, yeah, Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez in a bit of a battle as well. And meanwhile, Eugenie Bouchard has her hand in the air because she has just won through the finalist of a couple of years ago, has beaten Johanna Conta 6-3, 1-6, Heck of a win for her against the home crowd. And, um, look, I mean... Conta's a great story for, for British tennis. It's a shame for her, but equally, it's a nice story seeing Bouchard come again. It is, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's, it's, let's, let's face it, it's a real shame for the tournament uh, to have lost Joe Conta. Um, it's a real shame for Jonathan Overend, who predicted she'd reached the semi-finals, didn't he? Not to worry, Jonathan, we won't say any more about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and added to Heather Watson's absolutely gut-wrenching defeat earlier. She said, devastated, didn't even come close to describing how she felt after losing, having held three match points earlier on today to Annika Beck. So, uh, yeah, disappointing day for the Brits, but... But yeah, great for Jeannie Bouchard. I wish I wish she would come on court wearing a slightly more sport-like outfit. It's not her fault, though, is it? That's what they get given. It's not. I mean, it makes me, it, 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 it makes me a bit uncomfortable to watch, frankly. But yeah, it's absolutely not her fault. And I, I feel for her that it's, it's such a distraction. I feel for all of them that are having to wear that slightly awkward um, outfit. But yeah, great for Jeannie. Great for Jeannie and uh, great for a number of players who've won through today. Some dreams have been dashed, however, and uh, as haven't they, Catherine, because we've had Claire Balding on the show and she loves the show. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to be insufferable for the next week. You and Dan. More than usual. You and Dan Evans both yeah. on Cloud9 together. That's right. Me and Dan might have a chicken balty together in Birmingham after this. Uh, no, in fact, he's got a match to play against some bloke called Federer. We will be back. 
to find out how all that went over the next uh, 24 hours. I think that match is tomorrow, actually. We haven't had an order of play yet, Catherine, but I think it is Federer against Evans tomorrow, and then it'll be Murray against John Millman, who, incidentally, just a quick note, I I, I had a, a chance to interview John Millman for Five Live just now. What a fascinating guy he was. His career nearly ended a couple of years ago with shoulder, uh, s- shoulder surgery, I think he had, and, and just the loveliest bloke and, um, and, a, and a great story. Well, coming back to, uh, to what Claire Balding said earlier, it doesn't, doesn't matter who makes the runs here so long as you give everybody an opportunity to tell, tell their story. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty of them around, aren't there, at this Wimbledon? There are. It's been good this, hasn't it? I'm beside myself, David. I can see that. Uh, Catherine Whittaker here with us on the Tennis Podcast. She's excited, really, honestly. I'm just teasing here. With, uh, brought you in association with The Telegraph. We're going to be back uh, tomorrow, and we will speak to you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.